This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. This is going to be great this morning, isn't it? We are reading out of Act 17. The last time I spoke, I spoke about Paul. I'm still speaking about Paul. I want us today to focus our minds. The title of today's message, and this has come to me on holidays, is Non-Negotiable God. Right? We serve a God who is non-negotiable. Our service, our heartfelt love and commitment and belief in God should be equally non-negotiable. What that means is it doesn't change when change it faces. You with me? So we don't change because God never changes. So we don't need to be in a place where we're transactioning anything or asking him for stuff because he's already given us every blessing in heaven that we require for godly living. Amen? Amen. Now all we need to do is believe that. And was like that. Is that that time, Andrea? I mean, are you ready to finish this Swiss roll out there? So if you could just wrap this up because I don't want to be challenged this morning. My word this morning, I pray, is not a challenge to you, but an encouragement. Every time I speak, the very first time I spoke, let me take you back in time, the mists of time, about, gosh, how long ago now? Would be about 15 years ago. And I didn't know, I'd never, it was out of the blue, somebody asked me to speak. And I just remember hearing clearly from God to say, Andrea, encourage my people. And he's never told me any other tips when I'm speaking. So clearly, what I am meant to do when I am teaching, a pure or preaching, whatever you want to call it, I prefer to call it, I encourage my brothers and sisters. Okay? That's the call of my life. I am an encourager. So I embrace it. So today, you choose how you see it. But my heart is that you would be encouraged. Is that okay? Okay. Do you know what? I want to kick off with a prayer. Lord God, bless the word as you've blessed the worship. Lord God, crack open the hearts of the people in the room here today and mine, Lord God. Less of me, more of you, Lord Jesus, so that your seeds can be planted into the good soil of people's hearts, the good soil of God's love for us. We give you praise. We give you worship. It's all about your glory, Lord God. In your name, bless this word. Amen. Amen. We're ready. So we go to Acts 17. Paul is amazing, is he not? Paul was a skillful communicator. He was persuasive and he adapted himself to whatever situation he was in. Now, he was, before his conversion, he was a Pharisee. So we know he was clever, okay? He was taught by the best people in the synagogue. So we know he was a top-notch Jew. So, he was married. To attain the status he got where he was in his chosen path, he had to. He was a very successful man, and he gave it all up for Jesus. Yeah? He gave it all up for Jesus because what he saw was the greater glory of following Jesus Christ. And I want us to hold this in mind today, okay? When we understand about serving a non-negotiable God. I have two points for you this morning. Just two. Two. How easy is that? Not one. Two, not four, not three, two. Okay, the first point is be prepared, like a Boy Scout. Be prepared. The second one is be optimistic. Okay, so we're going to kick off with be prepared. Now, 
Paul was given all authority in heaven and earth, not because he was more special than any other believer on earth today or in the Bible. He was given that authority. Why? Because he believed Jesus when Jesus said he had it. Do you understand? So when Paul preached to people and wrote letters, he wrote with all authority, not because he was given more authority than us as believers, but because he believed he had that authority. Yes? And I want us today to be encouraged to know that the authority of heaven is upon you today if you love Jesus Christ. It isn't watered down version because Paul isn't alive anymore. You still have it today. So if you want it, you can have it. If we don't have it, it's sometimes because of the choices we are making. Yes? Okay? So Paul, in Acts 17... He is now on his mission because he goes all over the place. The call on his life is to share the word of God to the Gentiles. Those are the non-Jews. Paul only preached two things ever in his whole career. Do you know that? Two things. That's all Paul ever told people. He told them, one, Jesus is Lord. And he told them, two, heaven is our home. Those are the two things Paul taught. Jesus Christ is Lord and heaven is our home. Now, how he did that is brilliant because he was changeable. In Acts 17, Paul is led to three different venues. And this is about our preparation, okay? Be non-negotiable in your preparation to share the word about Jesus Christ. Be non-negotiable in your preparation to show love to people. Be non-negotiable negotiable in everything that Jesus has given to you and that you are prepared to share with other people to the glory of God the Father. Amen? Amen. So this is what he does. He gets sent to the synagogue, which is where the Jews, I nearly said, hang out. That would be incredibly disrespectful. Yeah, the Jew hang out. No, it's where they were taught. It was their assembly. It was where they prayed. It was where they had the communal. It was where the Jews went. In Athens, where Paul is at this time, it was also where some of the Greeks went for assembly, even though they weren't Jews. But that was Paul's stomping ground. Yeah? He didn't really have to be prepared for that. Paul could walk into any synagogue anywhere and be like, oh yeah, all right, I'm here. In the same way, theoretically speaking, we could walk into any church, chapel, building, anywhere and go, hello, we're here. And give account of Jesus Christ. Yes? Why? Because we're Christians. What I want to say to us today is Paul knew that. That was a no-brainer for Paul. This is a no-brainer for us if you're a Christian. Yeah? So this is what I need to say. If the only people who know we are Christians are the people we're in church with, there's a big problem. Can you hear me? There's a big problem if the only people who know that you love Jesus are the ones you do a Sunday morning with. We need to know that we are doing it right for God. No, God doesn't ask us to do anything, anything other than tell people about him. That's what he asks us to do. He asks us to tell people about the the love of Jesus. That's what we're told to do. So if the only people who know you are Christians are the people you see on a Sunday morning, there's a huge issue right there. Because you should be able to talk to me about Jesus. Got it? I should be able to talk to you about Jesus. That's the least of my problems right there. And you know what I teach in youth? So I tell the youth all of this, and I tell the people who teach in youth, and the team and everything, and I'll tell all of you all this. You have all got one preach inside you. People are like that, fainting. There's nosebleeds, you know? People are like, I'm never getting up there. Everybody has one preach in them. Do you know what that is? 
it's your story. Every one of you, if you say you're a Christian, every one of us should at any point, with no thought, be able to stand here and give glory and testimony for God, to God the Father because of the change he's made in us. Do you understand? So at any given point, that's a no-brainer. We can stand here and say what Jesus has done for us. That's the pips part. Yes? People are like, oh, you say pips. Are you with me? That's what we should be able to do. Now, I don't want to get into the realm of condemnation of telling people oh, that you should be able to do that. It happens over coffee and Swiss roll, doesn't it? Doesn't it? What, you think this is the only time you get to teach? You think this is the only time you get to talk to people when there's a light on you? And let me tell you, that's making me glow profusely. Or if you've got a microphone, that, this, is, this is a blink of an eye. This is nothing compared to what the conversations we're going to have over cups of tea compared to the bits of the nuggets of gold people share with you about their lives, where you get an opportunity to speak God into that. That is the goal. That's the gold. Not this out there where we get to be with each other. And we should all be able to do that. Yes? Agreed? The other place Paul goes, he goes to the agora. He goes to the marketplace. This was the civic center. This was where, oh, do you know what? The Greeks loved to talk, right? I'd have fitted right in in Greece. So, right? Everywhere in Greece, they were talking about philosophy, about the arts, about classicism. They're like this. Oh, I think this. Oh, do you? Well, I think this. Well, what about this? They did that constantly all the time. This was not church, friends. This was where life was happening. This is your town center. This is where the banks are. This is where the doctor's surgery is. This is where the travel agents is. This is the town center squares. And Paul stood there and gave an account of Jesus Christ there. Now, the call on all of us is not to wear a placard around Armourford Town Center shouting, Jesus loves you. But the call upon our lives is to tell the people in our lives and show them the love of Jesus. You got it? And I sometimes always remember and do what St. Francis of Assisi dictates which is I preach the gospel at all times and only when necessary do I use words. You can show love 24-7, wherever you are, to whoever. You can always be kind. These are choices. So Paul was put from one place to the next place. Is that tougher, being in the world doing it? Is that tougher, being in the world doing it? Yes, yes. But the non-negotiable part of your walk with Jesus is, is that you are prepared. And if you're prepared here, you can do it there. Yeah? It's a journey. If you're prepared here and can do it here, if you can show love to me in church, you can show love to your boss on Monday. You don't have to be slagging him off in the coffee room. Oh, I said it. Yeah? If you can do this on Sunday, you can do the other place on Monday, yeah? Because the next place Paul was sent to was the Areopagus. Now, that was a big deal. I've been reading a book on holidays all about Greek mythology, and really, it's rather thrilling, because this place was the rock of Ares. Ares was the god of war, and not just military strategy, he was the god of bloodshed. He was the god of bloodlust. He was the god of violence, and he was the god of disorder. He was hated by all the other gods because he was terribly unpleasant. You know, imagine that. You're a god and all the other gods hate you. There we go. By the way, it's not true. Okay, so, you know. 
the next place, that's where Paul was called to, and that was by invite only, because there were the temples of all the other gods and the high court. So you see, you start in one place, but God in his non-negotiable love for you asks you to be prepared to give issue and to give testimony in church, where you work and where you live, but also in the places that matter the most, where people believe other gods. You with me? Where people are keen on justice and civil rights and human rights. Hey, listen, no injustice in this place, only love. Do you hear me? I won't have any racism, homophobia, transphobia. No, nothing, none of that in church. Do you understand me? It's only love. So when we stand in a place outside this world and people are ready to point to Christians and tell us how unloving we are, we stand before the temples of all the loving other gods and say, there is no God that pardons like my God. There is no God that loves you like my God. Because do you know the difference? When he had to give account before the temples of all the other gods, every one of those gods, what you do with them is transactional. If you do this for me, I'll do this for you. E.g., if you were Greek of persuasion and you were going on a sea journey, you might wish to make a little sacrifice to the god Poseidon in order for it to go quite well, i.e. you don't drown. Yes? Now, if your sacrifice was acceptable, you wouldn't drown. Hey-ho. If your sacrifice was unacceptable, you'd drown. And that would be your fault because you displeased the gods. Do you understand what I'm saying? is that everything to do with those gods, and there was a God for everything, right? God for everything. In order to please those gods, you had to do something. It was an exchange. Jesus Christ gave up his life in the ultimate exchange. There is no arguing over the bill anymore. Do you get it? He's done it. So you can stand before all the other gods and say, there is no God like my God. For he gave his only son to die that I might live. The transaction is done. The exchange is made. Redemption paid in full. You get it? So you, your preparedness, your non-negotiable relationship with God, who is non-negotiable, by the way, says, I want you, when you're in those positions, to tell people about me. Now listen, is it easy? No, no, but we're not promised an easy life. We're not promised an easy life. We're asked to live for Jesus and our attitude is, you know what? I have authority from the most high God given to me because of my obedience in him. Do you see? Because if you do the things of God, you're obedient and God blesses obedience. So when we're thinking, do you know what? When I'm stronger, I'll do it. When I'm thinner, I'll do it. When I'm happier, I'll do it. When I've got a husband or wife, I'll do it. When my kids are older, I'll do it. When uh, everything's a bit better, I'll do it. When I've moved house, I'll do it. When I've got another job, I'll do it. When I'm doing this, when I'm doing that. You know what? Whatever it is, if you are waiting for that it to happen before you can serve God fully, you've missed the boat. Do you see what I'm saying? We miss out on everything God wants for us because we're waiting for it. And God is saying, I've already done it. God's saying, I've already done it. The it you're waiting for is done. 
because you've got me. Amen. You've got everything. You are made in his image, church. You, no, you don't seem to have grasped this. I'm going to have to lean on my lecture now because I'm furious. You are made in the image of the most high God. He has set you apart for divine purpose. You are a child of God. You are the royal priesthood. You carry around the glory of the Most High God in a jar of clay, which is our body. We are never going to die. <laughs> and, 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 as if that weren't enough, he has forgiven all our sins as though they had never happened. He chooses to remember them no more. And I'm waiting until I lose half a stone. What? Do you see? Do you see what irrationality does to us? Because in our logic and in our brains, we think, no, no, because I'll be a better person when that it happens. So I'll be able to do it properly for you, God. All I want to do is do it properly. So when I'm thinner, when I'm better, when I'm stronger, when my emotions are sorted, then I'll be okay to do it. And God is going, I've given you everything. You don't need to worry about that stuff. I've got that. I've got that. You just crack on in it for me, babe. That's what he's saying. You just crack on. Because I've got all of that covered. You don't need to worry about that anymore. All I need you to do is be prepared. Like he says in Matthew 28, I want you to go into all the world, preaching the gospel, baptizing them in the Holy Spirit. And surely, surely I will be with you always. You see, we think we have to be perfect. God doesn't want our perfection. I've said this before. He doesn't want our perfection. He wants our obedience. He doesn't want you to be thinner, smarter, cleverer, have no grey hairs. You know, have, you know, he doesn't want any of that. He doesn't care about any of that. What he wants is a heart that is open to him. Do you see when we negotiate and, trans and, and, and think it's transactional, God's going, I'm hands off now because I can't do that. I can't do that. Because, because the things you're waiting for, that's not part of my character. I can't give you, God is saying this, I cannot give you the things you're waiting for because they're not part of my character. If you are in a place of unforgiveness right now because you are waiting for an apology that you've never had, God, you need to know God is going, I can't work with that. I can't work with that because unforgiveness is not part of my character. So I can't work through that. That's why our preparedness, our non-negotiable stance in God is to say, I forgive. I forgive. I forgive you. I let it go. I have let it go. And God goes, excellent. Now let's crack on. Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference? If you are waiting for it, it might never come. And in the meantime, all those wasted years, like a desert stretching before us, I look back at my life sometimes and think of all the time I wasted. Church, all the time I wasted waiting for somebody to be sorry enough. You know what? It's my issue. <laughs> it's my issue. 
I need to let it go. I need to forgive and be in that place that goes, it's done, it's dusted, it's over. Not wait until I think someone is repentant and sorry enough. And then I can worship God and serve God fully. Don't delay. Don't delay. Choose life. Do you get me? You get in this? I haven't even said anything on page one, and I'm turning to page two. There's a whole heap of surprises on here. No idea. Let's have a look. Okay. And they're still all really tiny, by the way, so I'm going to have to... No, too close, too close, too close. Listen, the key point I want us to take away is we have to really guard against our worship and service of God being dependent on anything he does for us. Do you get it? Because he's already done everything. Forgiveness. Yeah? Forgiveness of sins. So anything now that happens is service. The transaction's been made. It's over. Yeah? Good. Okay. So listen, I think we can move on to point two. Hooray, everyone says. I don't know how long she's been, but it's too long already. Hey. No, right? We're going to crack on. So point two is, right, this is a bit more difficult. And maybe find people will find this a little bit more challenging. But again, remember, my perspective is encouragement, okay? The second point I want to see, the non-negotiable part of our walk with Jesus, is be optimistic, okay? <laughs> it was like that. Be optimistic. Do you know what's happened to me, Andrea? Telling me to have a sunny outlook and a fizzy disposition. Do you know what's happened to me? No, I don't. <laughs> I know some of what's happened to some of you, but I'm sure there are things going on in your life that you're thinking, you shut your mouth, you stupid woman. How dare you? How dare you be up there telling me to be optimistic when you don't know what's happened to me? Now, that's because you're hearing what I'm not saying. I haven't told you to be happy. I haven't told you to click your heels and, you know, it's all rainbows and cupcakes. Forget about the past. It's all all right. Carry on, carry on, carry on. I'm telling you that our behavior matters. And if we're optimistic and our outlook is positive, it is infinitely better for all of us, the ones in your world, as well as God, if we have optimism, if we have hope, the sure and certain hope that Jesus loves me and that I'm going to heaven. Surely, it's better for everyone if in that place I am optimistic about that. So it doesn't matter what's happened in my life. And there are darts being fired, friends. But my hope isn't in what you think of me. It's what Jesus has done for me and says about me. Do you see the difference? So when people are trying to tear you down and put your light out, you're like, oh, whatever. You know what? God loves me. Jesus died for me. Your optimism isn't some blithely, blind, stupid, ill-informed happiness. It's all all right. When it isn't, because that is masking. It's about saying, this is rubbish. This is rubbish. But I know God is for me, not against me. Got it? That's the difference. Where we walk through our lives positive. Because there are some non-negotiable truths that God has put in our lives. He sent his son to die for you. Non-negotiable. Happened. Can't be changed. Through his death, Jesus affected the forgiveness of sin for one and all forever. Can't be changed. Upon his resurrection, 
he became the first of many who will be resurrected so that we, after death, will live forever with him in heaven. Can't be changed. Non-negotiable. But very often, we get into a place where we forget all that stuff. Not that we forget. Let me qualify that. Where the stresses and strains of our lives maybe make that not our number one priority to remember. Does, is that more charitable, do you think? Because there are times in my life, I know I can't speak for you, where I know that. <laughs> I know that. But I seem to have forgotten it. It isn't that I still don't know it and live it. It's just that I've forgotten it. But it's not out of my mind. I still love Jesus, but I'm not walking in that bit of truth. That bit of truth becomes sort of negotiable a little bit. And you know, when stresses come in and stresses happen, when our lives change dramatically because of things that happen to us, it can be a death. It can be loss of any kind, you know, family breakdown, marriage breakup. You know, it can be moving house. <laughs> it can be losing a job. It can be anything. The emotions that come up from that are so complex and slippery that it can make life really, really difficult for a very long time time. Now, change is hard, isn't it? And as we go along with change, a change happens, an agency comes in and changes things, and we plunge into what the literature, because this is all evidence-based, believe it or not, I know, but it's all evidence-based, we plunge into something called chaos, okay? Listen, changes can happen in church as well. I'm just being going to be honest with you. Changes happen in church and we get plunged into chaos because our safe place is all of a sudden not our safe place anymore. If your home is your safe place and that's gone, your safe place isn't safe anymore. That relationship was your safe place, that's gone. That's not your safe place anymore. You're in chaos. And the emotions that come through from that are so difficult. Listen, what you have to do in that place. Do you see why I'm telling you it's not about pretending to be happy when you're not? It's about having your feet rooted and secure on the rock that is Jesus Christ that says he will get me through this. Do you understand? You see, you know, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross in 1969 wrote a ground-shifting book. You've all heard of it. People are going, no, I haven't. You are, I haven't, you liar. No, you have, trust me. It was a book called On Death and Dying. And she was the first scientist, the first woman to pin down the stages of grief that human beings go through. There are five stages. Okay? And I, I've written them down. Okay? So it's denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. Those stages cannot be rushed. They cannot be changed until time has elapsed. Now you're saying, but what if nobody's died? Now, in advances, especially to do with mental health and well-being, we know that loss is as great as death. Somebody might not have died, but the loss in your life could be so paradigm-shifting and earth-shattering and heart-breaking, it's like somebody's died. Yeah? The thing you're going through is as bad as somebody having died. And the emotions it elicits are the same. And it isn't about pretending it's not happening. It's about recognizing it's happening. Do you see? We are given all things for godly living. And one of those things is a sound mind where God goes, now recognize what's going on in you. So you don't have to pretend. You don't have to feel guilty. Church, you don't have to feel guilty. 
about being depressed because something has happened in your life. You don't have to feel guilty and ashamed that you are struggling to accept the situation you are in right now. You do not have to feel guilty about that. Guilt is not from the Holy Spirit. Guilt is from the enemy. And he wants you to be ashamed of yourself. And he wants you to be in anger and disbelief and caught up in bitterness and resentment for as long as he can keep you there because then you're not serving God. Do not be embarrassed or ashamed to struggle with what you are going through. Hey, there's a community of believers here who are here to help you. But we look at heaven and remember what Jesus says. Do you understand? And I pray, I beg of you, for the love of God, during this season, do not look for any magical quick fix solutions. They are fibs. Fibs. God wants to take you through this bit until you get to the end stage, which is acceptance. And acceptance isn't happiness. It means a resignation and resolve to move on and leave behind what's behind. I don't expect any one of you here to be happy that somebody died. Can we be real? Do you understand what I'm saying? Because there's this idea that, oh, I'm supposed to have got over it <laughs> in Jesus' name. Yeah, I'm thrilled to bits. Thrilled to bits my grandfather died. It's all good. Cheers. No! <laughs> Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm absolutely cock-a-hoop, I'm divorced. Some of you might be, by the way, okay? But you know, it's not about that. It's about saying, this rubbishy bit of my life happened. This absolutely god-awful rubbishy bit of my life happened. But now I'm here facing forward. That is behind me. I follow Jesus. That's optimism. Do you see? And how that differs to happiness. It's not blind. It's saying, I'm here. And it hurts. And God goes, I know. Now let me hold your hand and we're going together. But leave that bit behind. It'll be like a ball and chain. If you're dragging it with you, leave it behind. And you press forward. And do you know what you learn to do then? This is being optimistic. You celebrate your successes. Now, we are terribly British about celebrating successes. It's like, oh, you're very good at that. No, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Oh, you did that really well. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. I am probably the antithesis of that. People go, you look great. I go, I know. <laughs> I know. You did good at that. I know. <laughs> I know. It's because I'm amazing. No, you know, right? We celebrate our successes. Here comes the science bit. Ready? When we celebrate a success with each other and for ourselves, our body releases a chemical called dopamine. Yeah? Dopamine floods your brain and your reward circuits in your brain love it. They're like that, oh, dopamine. Oh, give me more of that. Because it's addictive. So the second you start celebrating success instead of focusing on the negative, when you're being optimistic and going, do you know what, today I didn't smoke. Not, oh, I've only not smoked for one day. Today I didn't smoke. Today I didn't text that person who really te tears me down and drags me down, but whose relationship is so toxic, but I can't live without it. But today I didn't respond to their text. It might just be one day. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. You celebrate that success because your dopamine goes crazy in your brain. It's addictive. Your reward circuits want more of it. You recognize that as part of your brain. And guess what? The next choice you make will be a positive one. 
not a negative one. Because your brain is now going, this is good. This is good. I like optimism. I like dopamine. Bring me more. And you know what? There is a passage in the Bible that does this. That tells us that this is what we're doing. It's in Philippians. Don't you love it when science catches up with God? Love it when that happens. This is what it says. People, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. I've got to work on that. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, here we go. Optimism, here we go. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Amen. Amen. What God doesn't say there is, and your dopamine reactors will go crazy. But that's what he's saying, isn't it? God's going, I've got this covered. Now listen, this is what you have to do. You don't have to walk around pretending to be happy when you're not, because believe me, you will implode. You will, if you're not being real about it. He's saying, actually, think on the good stuff. Celebrate your successes. Don't worry about if that success seems really small to somebody else. It's your success. Celebrate it. Thank God for it. So your success, you celebrate it. And I'll tell you why. This is what we need to do. I'm going to finish with this. James is like, ah, coming up to the piano. This is a mark of faith that we are called to. Yes? And God tells us in the Bible to put on the whole armor of God in order to fight and battle for where we are. Your peace of mind is a fight and a battle. Isn't it? Our emotional health can be a fight and a battle. This is what I'm going to leave you with today. I was reading, I'm on Twitter, and I was reading a tweet from a, a, a preacher I really respect and admire called Beth Moore. And she said this, for Pete's sake, <laughs> make sure you hold your shield of faith up. Now, make sure it's a shield of faith. Because if you're not holding up a shield of faith that says God is who he is and he will do what he said he will do, you will find that every arrow and dart that the enemy fires at you will melt away any other shield you are holding up. Do you understand? If you are putting your faith in your own ability to sort it out, if you're putting your faith in your own ability to do it once you feel better, if you are putting your faith in a relationship, in a parent, in anything other than Jesus, you can rest assured eventually that shield will melt away. The only shield that will stand firm and protect you is the shield of faith that is in Christ Jesus. So you hold that up. Friends, hold your shields up today in optimism, in hope, in faith, because you are prepared. Do you understand? Do you understand? Am I talking nonsense? Because if I am, I'm perfectly happy for you to tell me later over a cup of tea. Don't shout it. You know, I want us to... I want us to understand how loved we are. I want us to understand how valued we are. I want us to understand how charitable and kind God is. 
He is a God of love. And I want you to recognize that the way he prepares you is not to stress you out and make you do anything. It's just to say, I'm here, I'm ready, let's move on together. And that your optimism isn't based in anything airy-fairy or flighty that is going to let you down at the last minute. It is rooted in the hope and anchor that is Christ Jesus. And he does not change or sway or break in any storm. So whatever it is, is coming against you. And you may be beset on all sides today. I want you to know, be prepared, be optimistic. God has set you apart. You are his child. He loves you. In Jesus' name, amen. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.